We'll be in Revelation chapter 8 tonight, uh, and we'll be talking about the seven, seven trumpet judgments. Now, we've talked about the bowl judgments, um, and they've kind, of, they've kind of moved their way through. And remember that the uh, seals, I'm sorry, the, 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 the seventh seal just ushers in the next set of judgments. So, just got some things here tonight that, that kind of go through with you. And um, let's look at them. We'll start, uh, it really starts in verse 6, um, because the seventh seal is opened in chapter 8. So in chapter 8, verse 6 is kind of where, kind of where it starts. Now this runs through several chapters, okay? And here's the thing, here's what I'm trying to be careful of. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to get bogged down. Uh, but I want the point to kind of come across um, to kind of get the, the, the essence of what uh, is going on and why it's going on. Uh, what we don't cover now with some of these, we'll back up and get some of that later. Uh, there are, we'll look through here and there are several things that are mentioned. Uh, the angel with a little scroll, the two witnesses before we ever get over to uh, the seventh trumpet, but we'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll touch on those in um, uh, maybe a week or so uh, as we deal with the seven personalities in the uh, book of Revelation. But tonight we're looking at the the trumpets. Now remember uh, that we talked a little bit about and used the book of Daniel uh, to describe what Daniel calls this seventieth week. And one of the things that Daniel does is he gives us the purpose of the tribulation. What's the purpose of the tribulation? Why go through all of this? Why, why this big uh, um, catast uh, catastrophic uh, seven-year period? Why? Well, he, he says here that uh, 70 weeks have been determined for your people. He's talking to Daniel, so who's he talking about? Jews, Okay. For your people and for your holy city. What is the Jewish, the Jews' holy city? Jerusalem. Okay? So, so this, these, this tribulation period has something to do with the Jews. It has something to do with the, with the holy city, Jerusalem. Now, notice what he says here. Here's the purpose. To finish transgressions or to put an end to sins. To make an end to sins and to, and to make atonement for iniquity. And to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So basically, uh, Daniel tells us that there will be a time when there will be this seventy weeks. The seventy weeks are these seventy weeks of years, four hundred ninety years that he's talking about, and then the tribulation begins to take place. On that last week, okay, which would be that last seven years. So we're talking about a seven-year period when, um, when, when the, the, the tribulation will begin. So the purpose of the tribulation is, number one, to bring history to a conclusion. Now, I don't have, I didn't give you the handouts tonight. You're going, well, where are we going to go from this? Here's the whole deal. First four trumpets have to do with the environment. The last three trumpets have to do with people, okay? So that's kind of, that's kind of the outline here. That's kind of what they do. Um, but to bring history to a conclusion, number, one, number two, to fulfill prophecies about Israel. 
Okay, there are some, there are a lot of prophecies in the Bible that deals with the nation of Israel, God's people, God's nation. Um, number four, and I think we've talked about this. This should be on your last, um, um, your last sheet that I handed out to you is to shake man out of his false sense of security. Um, man's world is going to be rocked now. Let me just throw this out at you because this has this become very important as you began to read through. He will talk about the earth dwellers and those, those who dwell in the earth, okay? He's talking about the non-believers. So in the book of Revelation, when you see that phrase, those who dwell upon the earth, he's talking about the people who are there who are unbelievers, Gentiles, Jews, all, okay? And then the last one is pretty much to... Uh, force man to choose between Christ and the Antichrist. Okay, there will be. You say, well, you know, I thought during the tribulation that, um, um, you know, that salvation wouldn't be possible. The Holy Spirit's been removed. The fact of the matter is, is that all the way through the book of Revelation, we'll even see tonight, God will have a witness. God's, God's grace is evident even through this time of tribulation. Now, we, we looked at the last time we met, uh, and talked about the 144,000, those, those Jews uh, who would be sealed. We talked about their purity, and they would be preachers, and, and, uh, and all those kinds of things. We, you have those notes from, from a couple of weeks ago. But there are basically two observations that I want you to consider before we move into this, and that's number one, is it deals with these 144,000. These 144,000 will preach the everlasting gospel, okay? Now... If you're making notes or if you want to make a notation of this, the gospel is an everlasting gospel, which basically means the gospel that was delivered once for all, okay? It's not going to change. It doesn't change. It doesn't, the, the blow is not softened. The meaning is not any less than it was in the very beginning. So they are going to be preaching the same gospel during the tribulation period that you and I hear every week, week after week after week, hopefully from this pulpit and hopefully from the people who are teaching in your Sunday school classes. It is the everlasting gospel. It's the only gospel there is, one gospel, okay? And then number two, because of that everlasting gospel, we know that there will be a great soul harvest during the time of the tribulation. People will be saved during the time of tribulation. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to share with you tonight because I suspect that in my lifetime, I've probably had this comment or this thought more than once. Um, because this, this idea that these people are going to preach, this idea that the tribulation is going to be such a distinct time. And by the way, there's nothing that's happened or has ever happened in history, or up until this point, that, that we see here in the book of Revelation. None of that stuff has ever happened to the extent that we have it here. So you know what? People say, well, we're in the first half of the tribulation, and there are people that teach that. That, that is just not true. It hasn't come yet. It is in the future. But because people will be able to be saved during the tribulation, there has been this false hope. Uh, th this false idea among many that when the tribulation comes, I will know it's a tribulation, I will know it's close to the end, and then I'll just jump in there and get saved then, okay? Uh, I suspect 
that every one of us at one time or another have kind of had this thought cross our minds like, well, you know, especially when we're de- dealing with a lot of times even with our, the assurance of our salvation is, well, when the tribulation comes, I'll know, and then I'll know for sure, and then I can make that happen. Now, I, I've written down about three things that I want to share with you before we go into these trumpets. Number one is that you might die before the tribulation comes. You know, we say, well, when the tribulation comes, I'll be saved. Well, you know what? What if you die before then? Okay? Very common sense. Number two, every Sunday morning or every time a non-believer hears the gospel, there is potential of the prompting of the Holy Spirit and that person's spirit to be saved. Okay? The gospel is God's truth about salvation. And when the gospel is preached and when the Holy Spirit is present, there becomes this convicting work of the Holy Spirit in the soul of a non-believer. Not all, because if you go over to the book of John, when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is asking these questions about how man can be saved, you remember he says, okay, let me give you an example, Nicodemus. The wind blows wherever it wants to blow. He says, so is the Spirit. That's the way the Spirit works. There can be in a service on any given Sunday morning, four or five people who have never been saved, but only one of them be prompted to be saved because that's the work of the Holy Spirit, okay? So if if you've sat in a service before or you know of somebody who's sat in a service before and they have been prompted by the Holy Spirit to be saved, that is their opportunity to be saved. That is God calling them to salvation, and, and, and so if you're feeling the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit now, or, or all those of us who have and who have responded to that, there are people who sit week after week after week when the Holy Spirit prompts and just say, no, I'm not going to do that. Or, or they just hang on for whatever reason. Uh, now, here's the deal. Just as the Holy Spirit and the Word of God must be present in the salvation in the age of grace, the Spirit of God must be present in salvation during the tribulation period. And you may be living in that tribulation period. And you know what? The Holy Spirit may just not prompt you. You're not going to, you don't come to Jesus whenever you want to come to Jesus. You don't come any way that you want to come. I, I, was, uh, I think it was Bradley that was, um, or, or somebody was talking to me that, where they had talked with some, maybe Curtis. I've talked to Curtis, and, and he had spoken with some lady. And she said, well, I'd I really like to be saved, but I've got some things in my life I need to straighten out first. Well, if you're trying to straighten your life out so you can be saved, then you're probably never going to be saved. Uh, you, you come to God just like He is. No one comes to the Father except the Spirit draws Him. That's what the Bible tells us. You came to faith in Jesus Christ because the Spirit drew you. God chose you. Okay? You didn't just come in one Sunday morning and say, I think I'm going to be saved. It don't work that way. You, you are prompted by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit moves and blows wherever he wants to. Here's another thing, and I, and I really, um, I've, I've wrestled with this one, and, 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 and I really don't know how to, how, how to take it sometimes, but there are many Bible teachers and scholars that believe that will only be those who have never heard the gospel that will be able to be saved. That may very well be true. I, I, I just, I don't know. I've wrestled with that. There are passages of Scripture that say yes. But the fact of the matter is, is that 
there are some that teach that you won't be able to be saved if you have heard the gospel uh, during the age of grace. Now, here is the, here's the thing that I'd really like to say to you, though. The Bible never, ever prompts us to put off salvation for another time. God has chosen a day for man's salvation. You know when it is? Today. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as they did in the rebellion or in the wilderness. God has, God has chosen a day for salvation for everybody who doesn't know Jesus. That is today. There, there's, never, there's never a time in the Bible where we're ever encouraged or prompted to put, put salvation off. Um, one thing is for sure. God's great display of grace during the tribulation should never be interpreted as a grounds to delay coming to Christ. Okay? Y'all with me? So far. Now, let's move into these trumpets. Chapter 8. Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. And the first angel sounded, and there followed hell and fire mixed with blood. And they were thrown upon the earth. A third of the trees and all the green grass were burned up. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of all the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded, and a great star from heaven burning like a torch fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. The name of the star is Wormwood. The third of the waters became Wormwood. That word basically means bitter. Uh, so if you want to just kind of make a note out there, it's, uh, wormwood, it, it means bitter. Many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day had no light, and likewise a third of the night. Then I watched, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. There it is, the inhabitants of the earth, the earth dwellers. Because of the other trumpet blast of the three angels who are yet to sound. The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth. The star was given the key to the bottomless pit. He opened the bottomless pit, and smoke ascended from the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. The sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the pit. Now the smoke locusts came upon the earth. Power was given to them as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth. And if you'll just make a notation there, because you go, well, you know, up there in chapter 8, it said all the green grass. This is not the next day, okay? There are time periods in between all this. So everything that had been destroyed, realistically, because it's on the earth, has an opportunity to start growing back a little bit, okay? Uh, this, is, this is kind of stretched out over a seven-year period. We're about in the middle of the tribulation period now. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were given authority not to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. In those days, here it is, men will seek death, but they will not find it. They will desire to die, but death will elude them. The shape of the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. 
On their heads were something like crowns of gold, and on their faces, their faces were like the faces of men. So, so symbolic, okay? Symb- symbolism here. You, you don't see a, a locust riding on a horse with a face of a man, but it's symbolical, okay? It, it, it means something. They had hair like the hair of a woman, and their teeth were like the teeth of lions. They had breastplates like breastplates, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings were like the sound of chariots with many horses running to battle. They had tails like scorpions, and they had stings in their tail. Their power was to hurt men for five months. They had as king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, named by the Hebrew uh, Abaddon and, and the Greek Apollyon. The first woe was passed, now two more woes yet to come. We won't read, won't read in more of that, but let's just let's look at this for just a few minutes. Because I want you to, I, I, we're going to kind of expand just a little bit of what's going on here. We're, we're right in the middle of probably the tribulation period, maybe around the three-year, three-and-a-half-year mark. We've already had all these seal judgments that have just made men miserable. And now all of a sudden, you have seven more judgments coming that for all practical purposes are going to be worse than the first. The first four affect man's natural environment. The last three affect man himself. Many of these circumstances can be paralleled with the ten plagues of Egypt. We're not going to go into all the Old Testament allusions here. And, but, but if you'll notice, if you'll begin to go through, there's a lot of this. A lot of this can be compared to the, the plagues of Egypt, uh, the, the fire and brimstone, uh, as it has an allusion, I think, to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, so, so there is some, some Old Testament precedence of pictures of this coming judgment at the end time. Now, I want you to notice this right here because this becomes very important. I'll never forget when I was young, um, a preacher came and preachers didn't preach out of the book of Revelation uh, because people just didn't know a whole lot about it. Uh, but we did have a preacher come, an evangelist come to our church one time, but before it was over with, he had all these monsters riding on these horses and had everybody scared to death. Uh, here's, here's what we need to do with the book of Revelation. Interpret it as literal as you can unless there is a sign or a symbol that is explained somewhere else in Scripture or has a logical explanation for it, okay? Um, so a lot of people will say, well, all this is symbolic. A lot of people say, well, it's all literal. I think it's a little bit of both, okay? It's a little bit of both. Now, now, here's the thing here. Look in verse 7, if you would, of chapter 8, because here's something that I really want you to, to, to hang on to. Nuclear power, nuclear weapons, weapons of war. I, I get all of that, okay? And, and, and it may, may very well be that John is seeing some of the mass destructive weapons of the last days. But, but keep in mind that in verse 7, Especially, he says, the first angel sounded, there followed hell and fire mixed with blood, and it was thrown upon the earth. This is something that's coming from heaven, okay? So look, I'm telling y'all, we could go a lifetime and never understand it. We could go a lifetime and never be able to take the key that unlocks the understanding exactly of what John is talking about here. Because who, who can know the mysteries of heaven? Now think about that for a moment. Now, we will someday. We'll have those questions answered someday. But I want you to notice this. This is judgment coming from God himself. 
This is not man turning on man and nuclear weapons being fired and missiles and all that kind of stuff. Every bit of this is initiated in heaven. Okay? So if you can't get an explanation for it, that's fine. I can't either. The fact of the matter is, is God is raining judgment on this, on this godless world and these godless people. So it is thrown down upon the earth. Uh, not everything in the book of Revelation can be blamed on natural disasters or war, okay? There's something supernatural here that, that, that it, sometimes it's just really hard to explain. What John wants us to know when he says, and they were thrown upon the earth, John wants us to know that these judgments are coming from God. God is pouring out his judgment. The first judgment parallels with the Old Testament judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's Genesis chapter 18 and chapter 19. Now notice this, right? Notice what happens here. The first angel sounded, there followed hell and fire mixed with blood. We might not get through all this. Third of the trees and all the green grass were burned up. Okay, no trees, no green grass. Now let's talk about that just for a minute. Uh, if you're like me and... Um, you really like beef, uh, and that is your protein source. What does beef eat? Grass. So, you know, you look at that and you go, well, that's bad enough. No trees, no grass, so no way to feed animals, no way to get fruit and vegetables. The food source, the food sources of the world will be targeted during this first trumpet. Okay, so now we go back and go, well, people, people were dying from starvation. Absolutely. Trees and grass, all, all the animal protein, all the crops, all the agriculture will be destroyed just like they were in Egypt. Think about the proteins. Think about the, the macro and the micronutrients that we get from the food that we eat. Think about the diseases and think about the condition of the body physically when it doesn't have the vitamins and it doesn't have the supplements and it doesn't have the minerals and all the things that it needs to survive and, and, and the illnesses that come along with that. This first trumpet will affect all of that. Now, I know it doesn't say that there, but common sense will tell you that if all the trees are burned up and all the grass is gone, then what eats the grass is going to have problems and the things that we eat off the trees are going to create problems. Okay? So that's number one. Number two is found in verse number nine. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Exodus chapter one, the first plague, you remember it was blood, turning of the blood, uh, the Nile River into, into blood. So look at this. This angel sounds... The, it, 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 it hits the seas, a great mountain with a burning fire. Is that a meteor? I don't know. Possibly. I can't prove it's true. You can't prove it's not. So I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, it is thrown into the sea. It is something that is, it has a direct relationship to what God is doing. So, so this giant great mountain, like a burning fire, is thrown into the sea. A third of the sea becomes blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea dies, and a third of the ships are destroyed. A third of all marine life dies. 
Now, this, this um, judgment uh, affects the, uh, the salt water uh, sources uh, in our world, okay, the seas. Um, it, it, it affects our, our oceans and our seas and, and anything that, 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 ha- that lives in uh, uh, salt water. Uh, no beef or no, no protein from animals. Now, um, even the oceans are limited in the food that they're producing. I looked this up today because I thought it was kind of interesting. I, 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 went, on a, I went on a rampage this morning just doing some research. Uh, let me tell you some things that the oceans do. The oceans produce 50% of the world's oxygen... And it absorbs 50 times more carbon dioxide than our atmosphere. Okay? So, okay, the oceans are affected. The oceans produce 50% of our oxygen. It absorbs over 50% of our carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide. It regulates our weather and climate patterns. Can you picture... Can you picture this? I mean, that looks bad. I mean, that sounds bad. But think, think about what's going on. Think about what man is having to, having to live with. Think about what man is having to put up with. It's bad enough that a third of the sea and a third of the animals in the sea and a third of the ships. But look, look at the, the side effects of all of that. No clean air. 76% of all trade involves some form of ocean transportation. 76%. The United States ocean economy produces $282 billion in goods a year, and it employs over 3 million people. A third of that's gone. A third of that is affected. There are many medical products that come from the ocean. These diseases and some of these things that, that will occur because of these catastrophes will not be able to be um, cared for because the ability to extract some medicine, the ability to make medicine will be gone. One man said that the oceans are the lifeblood of our planet. The first, the first trumpet affects our agricultural supply. The second Trumpet affects our sources of food from the oceans. Think about if a third of all the ships are destroyed, think about how difficult it will be to move or to transfer food from one place to another. Second trumpet. Five more. Let's look at the third one. It's found in verse 10. The third angel sounded, and a great star from heaven, burning like a torch, fell on the third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. In the name of the stars, wormwood. A third of the waters became wormwood, and many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. That's our freshwater supply. Now our agricultural industry has been affected. Now our ocean uh, industries and, and benefits have been affected. Now our freshwater supply has been affected. Think about it. A third of it, wormwood, is bitter. Our fresh water supplies will become poisonous. And many people will die because of it. Think about it. 
although my wife complains that I don't drink enough water. My water boy, Tommy, takes care of me every week. But think about not having any of that. How long, nurse, can a person live without fresh water, without water? Several, few days? Yeah, people are going to die, okay? This is a judgment. All of the things, think, go, back, go back just for a minute to what I said a few minutes ago. To shake man from his false sense of security. He's affected our food source. He's affected uh, our, our commerce as it deals with the oceans. He's affected our um, fresh water supplies. I'm going to tell you what, all the things that we depend on, all the things we take for granted. I turned the faucet on today and was rinsing off some, uh, some dishes. I actually washed the dishes while my wife was gone this morning. And um, as that water was running, I thought... What, what will men give during the tribulation to be able to do that? Won't be able to do it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, forget about the bathing part. There'll be some who won't even be able to drink fresh water. Look at the next trumpet. The fourth angel sounded, a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that the third of them were darkened. A third of the day had no light, and likewise a third of the night. Then I watched and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, you think this is bad? There's three more that's coming that's worse. The heavenly bodies will be affected, the sun, the moon, and the stars. All the traditional guiding lights will be gone for a third of the day. It's getting darker. An eclipse of the sun will have a devastating effect. There will be a loss of heat. The weather patterns will be disrupted. The tides um, and unpredictable storms will lead to more and more animal and human deaths and suffering. Think about all that that go. You think, well, what, what's that have to do? I'm going to tell you what. When the sun comes up every morning, you better be thankful for it. When the moon, when the moon is out there and the moon's doing what it's supposed to do, just the very tides of the oceans are affected by that. Think about when those things are affected, what it will do. I mean, we're just talking about things in nature at this point that will bring tremendous human suffering. All because God offers, has offered a way of salvation and escape, and men have said no. I'm telling you all something, folks. Listen to me very carefully. You say, well, boy, that's kind of drastic, isn't it? This is what God thinks about men who reject His great salvation, who turn their back on His Son and spit in His face. God said, listen, you know what? You're not going to get by with that forever. You're not, gonna, you, you know, you're not always, the Spirit of God's not always going to strive with men. And when it's gone, I'm going to tell you what, this is all you have to look forward to. The next, in the Bible, when you see double woes, if it goes woe, woe, it's, 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 it's there to indicate an emphasis. Here, he uses three. Um... Which basically just introduces the threat for the next remaining trumpets. Okay, 
Thread here, thread here, thread here. Am I going too fast? Okay. Whoa. Whoa. Chapter 9. The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star falling from heaven to the earth. The star was given the key to the bottomless pit. He opened the bottomless pit, and smoke ascended from the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. The sun and the air were blackened by the smoke of the pit. In other words, whatever was coming out of this pit just was so big that it just kind of blocked the light for, for just a bit. Well, who, who are these? Turn over with me, if you would, to Revelation 12. Just turn over one page and look at verse 7. I think it's verse 7. Now, now you know that it's difficult sometimes to go chronologically because it's just hard to, it's hard to say something here and then tell you here what, what we tell you over here. But, but all this is kind of, all this, is, all this is, is interrelated, okay? So look at this. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was there a place for them in heaven any longer. The great dragon was cast out, that ancient serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast down to the earth, and his angels were cast down with him. Did you know that, that Satan has access to heaven? There, there's a passage in the scripture where it talks about the sons of men coming before God, Satan coming himself, where have you been? From, from, from walking to and fro throughout the earth. He is the accuser of the brethren. There's going to come a day when, when um, there's going to be a big battle in heaven. And he's going to be cast down. I personally believe that here in chapter 9, he is this star. Okay, he is this star that falls from heaven. I saw a star, star fall from heaven to the earth. The star was given the key to the bottomless pit. He opened the bottomless pit and smoke ascended. What he is doing here is unleashing a horde of demons that have been reserved in darkness for this day. Okay? And he says to them, look, don't hurt the grass. Which kind of would indicate that time has passed and maybe, maybe some of this stuff is starting to grow back. Now at this point right here, because of this, the symbolism falls in here. And the meaning of that basically is, is that these, th this horde of demons, this army of demons, this, these, these, these creatures out of this bottomless pit, their business has nothing to do with uh, the vegetation. It has everything to do with the humans at this point, okay? So, so the, eco the, the, the ecological part of the environment has been affected in the first four. Now the humans are directly affected. At this point. Now, now notice here. And, and we can go down and read. There, there are just several things that I want to say. Number one is they're not permitted to kill. Only torment for five months. It, it talks about them being like locusts. You know how locusts just kind of swarm. That, that The symbolism there has a whole lot to do with how many... And what they do as it deals with their total devastation as they move across a place. But the fact of the matter is we know. We know that these are not literal locusts because literal locusts would affect the vegetation. Okay? These don't do that. 
As a matter of fact, it says here that they have a king over them. In the book of Proverbs, and I think I wrote it down, uh, Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 27, the Bible says the locusts have no king. See what I'm saying? Man, I'm going to tell you what, there was a misunderstanding. Somewhere else in Scripture over here will tell you what you need to know. So these are not literal locusts because they don't, they don't participate in what naturally locusts would do in, in just totally stripping the land uh, to bear. They are attacking humans, and they have a king. Okay? They're not permitted to kill. They torment for five months. I think there's an interesting thing that happens here is, is that the Bible says that there will be many who will seek death and they can't find it. Can you imagine that? Now, now think about all the things we've already talked about. Just what's going on in the world around you and how that's affected you. Just, you, you, you affect, you know, we are affected by weather patterns. We are affected by food supplies or lack of food supplies. We are affected by what we do in the oceans and how we drink. Well, all of that stuff affects us physically in a way, but the fact of the matter is here at this point, it is directed at human beings. They are tormented for five months. Now, notice there because there's a specific period of time. What that means is God's in control of this. God has set the beginning and God has set the end. He five months. And they are going to be tormented for those five months. Many will seek death, but death won't come. Now, let's look at just for a few minutes because I think as it describes these locusts, uh, I think it has more to do with the, symbol, the symbolism as to their characteristics more so even than their appearance. Now, like David and I were talking tonight, people that John was writing to would know exactly what he's talking about. But he says that they were given authority not to kill, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion. A real sting, but, but not, nothing that would lead to death. Men will seek death, they won't be able to find it. They will desire to die, but death will elude them. Can you imagine? Think about the, now we're, you know, I guess this is speculating again, but it's common sense. So if people are trying to die, then there will be people who will try to commit suicide. And the wounds that they will have, think about this, they will go into a cliff and they'll jump off. And they'll hit the ground Maybe all their organs and, and, and bones are broken, but they won't die. They won't die. The shape of the, loc- the, the, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. That cares with the idea of, of um, um, readiness and, and their devastation as they're, as they're able just to move throughout Throughout the world. Their heads were something like crowns of gold. They, they will conquer. They are conquerors. Not the, not the crown that Jesus wears in Revelation 19. But, but this, 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 this victor's crown that they wear. They have faces like men. That speaks of their intelligence. They have hair like a woman. They are very, very seductive. The seductiveness of these demons. Their teeth are like the teeth of lions. Their, their ability to... Just tear to pieces and to destroy. Breastplates like, like iron. The sound of their wings like the sound of chariots. The, the, the power behind the, the way that they move forward 
in, in doing what they have come to do or what they've been sent out of that bottomless pit to do. As many horses running to battle, they had tails like scorpions, and the stings were in their tails. They have power to hurt men. They have a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, the Hebrew Abaddon, and and in the uh, Greek Apollyon. Uh, Abaddon is the Hebrew. It means a place of eternal judgment. Apollyon means the destroyer or I destroy. So he's identifying who, who this king is. The first woe is past. There's still two more. Hmm? The, the next. The sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Okay, so okay, well that they're they're obviously demons because they are bound. Okay, four angels who had been prepared for the hour and the day and the month and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now, th- now think for a moment. A fourth have already been killed in the sealed judgments. Now another third. A half of mankind has been killed already, and we're just halfway through the tribulation. The death and the devastation that will be brought onto this earth to those who dwell. Now, I want to, I want to speculate for a minute, if I might. Um, I want you to turn with the book of Daniel, chapter 10, if you would. I want to show you something because you go, well, you know, who are these, who are these four angels? You know, what are they all about? Well, I think, I think something very interesting happens here as you look at um, chapter 10. I think it starts, um, let me find, verse 13. Verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, okay, so, so um, Daniel, Daniel um, has this... Um, this dream again, this vision again. And he is, um, well, if you go back up, go back into just verse 7. I saw a vision while the men were with me. They didn't see the vision. But a great, great quaking fell upon them. And they fled and hid themselves. Therefore, I was left alone, saw a great vision. There remained no strength in me. My countenance grew dim and pale. I retained no strength. In other words, he just fell out. I heard the sound of his words, talking about an angel that came to speak to him. I heard the sound of his words. I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face toward the ground. But then a hand touched me, uh, which set me on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understood, understand the words that I'm about to speak to you and stand upright, for I have been sent to you now. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood trembling. Now, then he said to me, Don't be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand this, to humble yourself before your God. Daniel's praying about something, okay? The answer doesn't come real quick. Your words were heard. I, I thought that's kind of interesting. Your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. 
the word and the answer from an angel was coming to Daniel. But this prince of the kingdom of Persia, which basically a lot of people seem to believe was a demon who was kind of in charge of that area. You know, the devil is very well organized himself. There are different degrees and, and, um, and, and jobs for these guys to do. So Michael, who's the one who came, one of the chief princes came to help me. For I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what shall befall you. So Daniel 10 provides some insight that there are these great, powerful, dark forces that are out there disrupting not only your life and my life, but the life of nations, okay? And let me, and, and this is just kind of one of the speculations, because one guy said, and I, you know, um, it could be the demon forces that control the four major world empires, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And then Daniel, Daniel 10 actually kind of giving us a little bit of insight into that, that yes, that, that is a great possibility. Because this, this prince of Persia fought him. So he couldn't bring this answer to Daniel. Whoever they are, they are set to wage war against mankind. Now, along with the, along with the one-fourth that are killed in the fourth seal, now one-third of them, over half of the world's population. And then look at verse 17 of verse 9 with me. Thus I saw... The horses in the vision, those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red. I don't even know what that word is. I started my, I, I went everywhere I could. Paul, you may just have to throw that one out there for me. Some kind of blue. Uh, and yellow sulfur. Those are the colors of hell. Okay, so, so symbolically, these are hellish. Personalities, individuals, the heads of the horses like the heads of lions. Now their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. A third of mankind was killed by these three plagues. There's going to be, these demons are going to kill by incineration and asphyxiation. Brimstone, this burning brimstone. You think about being in a fire and, and the burning sulfur and how it suffocates you. And, and that's how I think the Bible says that these people are going to die. They're going to be incinerated by the fire. They're going to be asphyxiated by the smoke. Okay? Fire and brimstone. Now, okay. Chapter 11 and verse 15. That, that was, I'm, I'm sorry, that was the sixth. That was the sixth trumpet. Chapter, chapter 11, verse 15 I want to show you something here. The seventh angel sounded, there were loud voices in heaven saying. So this is the beginning of the next judgments that we'll look at. The seventh just kind of brings in an introduction to the ones that are going to follow. There will be some bold judgments, B-O-W-L, bold judgments that will be poured out later. Okay? We'll look at those. And chapter 11, verse 15 and 19 introduces us to the bold judgments. They'd be poured out during the last three and a half years of the tribulation. But I want to show you something. I want to show you something here because this is, this is, this is the most amazing thing. This ought to make 
the biggest impact and biggest impression on you tonight of anything, of anything that we've talked about. The food source has been affected. Men have been tormented. Water supply has been cut off. Transportation has been cut off. Um, starvation and disease and you name it. Anything that we've talked about now, any, any part of the body that can be affected by it. Think about the sores and, 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 and the, the skin conditions that people have because of all these kinds. Think about all that, okay? So, so, so you're looking at somebody who is extremely pitiful at this point. How many of you have ever been so sick that you just cried out to God to heal you? I mean, just so, or under such a burden, or under such, under such strain that you just knew that God was the only one could help you. As a believer, here, here, here's the thing as a believer, and this is just a thought I had. I don't know that it's true or not. Here's just a thought that I had. I don't believe that the believer is going through the tribulation. And if they did... I suspect that God's people would cry out to them and in mercy and grace, he'd pull them out of that because that's who he is. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he cares for us. But the great part about that is this. He loves us so much, you ain't got to worry about this. So this shouldn't scare you. Shouldn't shouldn't scare the living daylights out of you unless you're not a believer. And I'm going to tell you what, if you're not, you are in dire trouble. So look at verse 20 of chapter 9. This is the most amazing thing of all of it. The rest of mankind, those who are not killed, the, rest, the, the, other, the, earth, the other earth dwellers who were not killed by these plagues did not repent. Listen. Everybody, think about the hardness of a man's heart. Now, I'm telling y'all, I think there will be enough people who heard the gospel during their lifetime who knows what this is. I think there's going to be plenty of information where this is coming from, okay? And they still won't repent. Now, look at this. This is interesting. So you say, well, what's life going to be like during those days? Well, I think we are having a little bit of glimpse of that now. They did not repent of the works of their hands. I think that carries with it the connotation that they were making they were making their own idols. Uh, whether it be wood or whether it be gold or whether it be listen, there's all kinds of things that can be idols. Your children can be an idol. Your job can be an idol. Your home can be an idol. I'm going to tell you something else. Your church can be an idol. And they did not repent from the works of their hands, something they had created. Their their idols, works of their hands. And they did not cease to worship demons. What's Ron Reagan's son's name? Mike, no, Ron, the other Ron. Y'all hear him? 
Y'all hear him at the last Democratic debate? I'm not afraid of burning in hell. That's what he said. Commercial, right in the middle of the Democratic debate. Promoting this separation of church and state, separation of God from our, our nation or from our government. He's an atheist. He claimed to be an atheist right there on TV. And his last words were, I am not afraid of burning in hell. They would not repent of the works of their hands or the worship of demons or of silver or gold or brass or stone or wood. Look at this. Which cannot hear nor walk. Idols can't do anything for you. I, 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 there was another guy who was on that I saw, uh, approached a guy that was preaching on the street, and this was, I don't know how long ago it was, but, but the argument they had back and forth was, I, I, I worship Satan, that's what he said. There, there are people out there who are praying tonight to their God, Satan, to destroy all of us. There's not a Satan worshiper out there that wants a preacher in a pulpit on Sunday morning preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ. We just don't know it. They're, they're dark. They're in the background. In the last days, ladies and gentlemen, they're going to come out of the woodwork. They're going to be everywhere. They would not repent of the works of their hands, nor to cease to worship demons. And idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which cannot hear, nor walk, nor see. Now look at this. Nor did they repent of their murders. Okay. So they are murderers. We'll show you a couple of interesting words here. Or their magical arts is really the... A good translation there. What 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 is what does your translation say? They're sorceries, or sorceries? Is that it? The word sorcery is where we get the root word for pharmacy. And we know what pharmacy is in our language. Pharmacy is where you go and you get drugs. So, there's an indication here. It says they won't, they won't repent of, from their worship of demons, from the things that they have made, their idols. They won't repent from their murders, killing one another. Think about, if there's not any food, if there's not any source of water, and some people have some, think about what people will do. And you say, well, you know, I just can't, I just can't believe how somebody could take the mark of the beast. I can. I certainly can. Didn't repent of their murders, didn't repent of their sorceries, their pharmakia, their pharma, which is where we get our word drugs or pharmaceuticals from. The last days will be days of worshiping idols and demons and drug use. One of the best ways to influence 
Somebody a lot of times is through the use of drugs. Well, the Antichrist used that against people or caused people to, to worship him? I, I don't know. But it, it certainly changes a person. And by the way, I suspect that if people are wanting to die and can't, I suspect there'll be a lot of drug use. Just trying to get rid of the pain. But, but here's another one. And they would not repent of their sexual immorality. It's where we get our word pornography from. And, and really, it, it carries with the idea of, of all sexual sins. All sexual sins. Paul and I were talking tonight before church started. There, there's a movement in our world today. Now, I, I know I, I won't take a lot of your time. But a lot of the influential... Um, spiritual men of our day are being attacked by the secular world called all kinds of names um, John MacArthur um, for, for standing with the Bible uh, Dr. Vine stood in this pulpit Sunday morning he is being attacked I won't go into all that detail at this point uh, I got a I got an email this week that kind of, um, it didn't come right out and condemn us for having that man in our pulpit, but it kind of did. Because of his Christian influence, he's being attacked by the people out there who are trying to destroy our Christian faith. Um, Paige Patterson, president of Southwest Seminary, one of the most intellectual men I know was pretty well ruined because of a statement that he made 20-some-odd years ago. And the Me Too movement got after him and really pulled something out that was a biblical truth, and yet it doesn't match what they believe, and so they're after him. But I think the most amazing one to me is Paul was mentioning me tonight. He's been teaching y'all. If you've been in his class, you know there's even an attack against the Apostle Paul today, calling him names fearmonger and misogynist and um, woman hater, uh, all of that stuff. Listen, I'm telling you, it's there. People, people just can't think about it. God's doing this, and they hate God so much. And when it says they won't repent, to me, that carries with the idea they have an opportunity to be saved if they want to be, or if they can. And they're thefts, killing people for what they have or stealing from people for what they have because you don't have. I heard this stat a few years ago, and I won't, I won't go any longer. It's bad enough, and, and I know that there's a lot of confusion here, I'm sure. Uh, I think the whole point that I want to make with you is not trying to do it all because we can't get bogged down. But I want you to see the awfulness of that time of tribulation. And there are people you work with, and there are people you um, know as your family and as your friends who may go through the tribulation. But folks, as bad as this is, 
it don't touch what hell's going to be like. And people are going to go to hell. I mean, they just are. All because they won't believe the truth. All because they're not willing to look to the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf and be saved. This is, listen, I'm going to tell you what, this is not a picture to me of the horribleness of the tribulation. It's a picture to me of the hardness of man's heart. Well, people are basically good. No, they're not. We're rotten to the core, every one of us. But you know what? We've been saved. We've been redeemed. We've been washed in the blood. And I'm going to tell you what, if you can't get excited about that, if that don't light your fire, your wood is wet. 